Hello, and welcome to the first RDW Insights podcast. Uh, the first, hopefully, in a series of, of discussions looking at issues in retail design. Uh, I've been joined by Siobhan Fitzpatrick, uh, the Marketing and Multi-Channel Director of Maplin, and by Holly Dan, 2020 Design Director, and Jim Thompson, who's the Managing Director of 2020. Uh, and today, we're talking about what shoppers want from multi-channel retail and how store formats can reflect that. Um, Siobhan, I thought we could start with you, and perhaps you could uh, tell us how you started on this, this journey, where, where Maplin began uh, and what your objectives were in multi-channel retailing. Okay, so where did it all begin? It began, so I've, I've been with the business for about 18 months um, and as an um, exec board we're quite relatively still quite new into the, the organisation so as a, the current team have been together for, for the 18 months. Um, and I don't know how much you know about where Maplin is on its journey, but we're undergoing quite a big change program mm. with the with the business and the brand. We were bought by Rutland um, PE House back in um, twenty thirteen, and we I guess where we started was thinking about what did we think the future of a specialist technology retailer look like really, and how did our proposition work not only across channels, but you know, in terms of the competitive market that we operated in. And so we spent a lot of time, um, about 12, 18 months ago, with customers actually, customers of our existing customers, customers who were aware of us but didn't really shop with us, and people who bought product that we sold but didn't buy it with us, um, and spent a lot of time trying to really understand what their perceptions were of us as a business, um, how they viewed the current proposition, where they thought that we fit in the marketplace, what the whole marketplace looked like, etc. Um, and out of that came a couple of really key things for us, which then went on to inform our, our um, five-year strategy plan, really. Um, and the first thing I'd say that came through really strongly was how customers felt about the brand, you know, and, and even customers who, when I say customers, how, how consumers felt about the brand. And there was... Um, a huge inherent trust in Maplin. There is, you know, even people who don't really shop with us absolutely believe that the brand is credible and trustworthy and that our colleagues know exactly what they're talking about and that they, if people come to us, what they think they're going to get is really sound, impartial advice. Um, and in fact, you know, we have a, an NPS score that's off the charts, really. Um, but what they didn't, what a lot of people didn't really understand was where we sat or where we fitted into the kind of the current marketplace really. And we were often a, a retailer who wouldn't necessarily be front of mind. We'd almost be the place that you went to if you kind of, you'd almost yeah. run out of other places to think about if you were looking for something were, were quite you quirky. As, were you seen as an enthusiast yes. store for, for people with a hobbies? Absolutely, and, that's, and that was one of the other things that came through really. So a couple of things that came through that were drags for us was the fact that yes, we attached to electronics, the word, and, and, and being an electronic specialist is quite intimidating for a lot of people and they don't really engage with the word electronics. You know, you're right, it's about hobbyists and hobbyists and having a hobby is seen as being quite an old-fashioned term. There are lots of people who are enthusiastic coders, you know, who want to understand how things work, but they don't see themselves as being involved in the world of electronics. Electronics is about the guts of something. What most people want to do is just understand technology and how it makes their life better or easier or simpler or faster. So, yes, absolutely, electronics was a, a drag for us um, and, and was a barrier 
for a lot of people feeling kind of able to engage with the brand. So clear challenge? Clear challenge, because then if you took electronics as a proposition and then took it into the store estate, everything that customers felt was a barrier in the word electronics was really visible in the stores. So you walk into our stores and they were described as an Aladdin's cave of stuff. Fantastic range, fantastic choice, piled to the ceiling, you know, full of lots and lots of stuff, but not much space to allow products to breathe or for us to be able to explain how they met customers' needs in terms of making things easier or simpler or faster. It was all about the guts of something. You know, it felt like a very sort of specialist environment to shop in. And did, did the people you spoke to still want a store? Did they still want a physical place to go yes. for these things they did? Yes, particularly when people are, are involved in a... We, we identified two kind of core missions, really. I mean, there are more than two, but two core missions, really, for customers in our, in our marketplace, which is discover and dwell and find and get. And Maplin serves find and get really well. If you know exactly what it is that you're looking for, if your journey has started in the digital space somewhere and then you have an online, pro- an online proposition that allows you to work out exactly what you want and an offline proposition that allows you to fulfil that immediacy need really quickly... Bingo, it works really well. But if you're in that discover and dwell, and if you're in that, I'm much further up in the mission, I haven't yet quite worked out what I need, particularly in a high engagement category or a high consideration category, and smart home, which is, you know, a big kind of proposition for us, is a space that involves more talking, more understanding, wanting to go and have that conversation with a colleague and see how things work, they want to store. They might start their journey in the digital space, but they want to be able to kind of bounce between the two comfortably, and our our existing proposition doesn't really make that frictionless for them. Okay, okay. So... um, where did you go next? What was the, what was the next stage after identifying these? So, so we kind of then worked out, okay, well, what are all the core things that don't really work in the proposition at the moment? So we know we need to go away and fix the digital proposition because that's not quite as efficient and effective as it should be. And we know that the stores, our current in-store presentation is a barrier to customers being able to bounce between the two and it doesn't feel as inviting as it should do. And actually, if you think about the technology space that we're now operating in, and what the reference point is for customers now in the world of technology retail spaces. You know, you think about what other retailers are doing sure. and they're big and open and they have hero product spaces. You know, they have places that allow products to breathe, to grow. To d- we don't look like that. Yeah. So we needed to find somebody who could help us take all of the fantastic stuff that we have in our, our armory around heritage, knowledge, expertise, colleagues who want to give you the right solution, not necessarily sell you the thing that they need to sell you in that particular week, um, but in a way that feels comfortable and accessible and that isn't intimidating, we needed to find somebody who could help us do that. And that's really then when we started the right, we we started a couple of pieces of work. One was about the brand and the brand identity, and we engaged engaged, uh, someone specialist branding agency to help us refresh the Maplin brand and to make it more um, relevant for you know, a group of people that we had identified really as being our kind of primary sector that we wanted to go in and talk to and then we went out and talked to a couple of people about what do we do with the in-store proposition which is how we ended up with 2020 and yeah, Jim and Holly okay. and the rest is, <laughs> the rest is history. Yeah. but it's very recent history because this, this was a fast project yeah 
Yeah. So, yeah, so there, was, there was no lack of ambition. <laughs> <laughs> so, do, do tell me a little bit about, about how, um, how the challenge seemed when, when, when you were appointed and, and how the brief shaped up. So I suppose, I suppose it, was, it was a really interesting uh, journey, certainly from the outset, because I mean, no, no new client relationship is an easy win these days, so you, you know, your courting stages are quite important. Um, and, uh, and Maplin had a, a big ambition, you know, and I think that was clear from the outset, that the, the, the exec board were, in, were the decision makers, they were leading the choice of who they worked with. Um, and and all the meetings we had prior to being selected were with them to develop the thinking and to, to if you like to to prove that we're the partners they chose were the ones who could help them solve it. We get a lot of briefs that are about store of the future because the world changes. You know, an omni channel is is a big driver to change what's happening on the high street. You know, whether you have to become more functional with your retail and faster and more convenient, or whether you have to become more experiential. Yeah. And in a, a strange way, a lot of the time, retailers pay lip service to it. Mapping came with a brief that really was about the store of the future because actually it was about a new future for them because the, the one they currently have or had wasn't really going to work yeah. because it was based on a, an old customer base and, yeah. a, and, a, and a, a non-growing customer base, yeah. if you like. So without attracting a new customer, they were going to struggle mm. to, to keep going, even if they moved everything online, it was still going to become quite interesting. So it, it was a, a great process. The brief was very open in as well, because it's actually it was about, as a group, deciding what we wanted to be in retail. And we couldn't, that wasn't in the brief, that had to come through the workshops, mm-hmm. if you like. So we, you know, it was a, it was an important journey. When you go to the stores, as Siobhan alluded to, the, the they were very linear, you know. So there, in some ways, you go, there was such a, a lack of experience within a Maplin yeah. store. It's very much, you know, product on shelves and and, and quite a rational journey for the kind of customers they get. If you know what you're looking as for. As a design yeah. business, you look at that and go, well, that's bloody easy. You know, you, I mean, it's easy to add personality and it's easy to add experience to this, you think. <laughs> but of course, it's not because ultimately, you, as soon as you want to, what happens is it's all very dense. There's a lot of categories, a lot of range, there's a lot of depth to the range and width to the range. And suddenly your brief is, okay, so we want to keep all of that range, density, everything else, but we want to add all this new experiential stuff. So we, we did have to look quite hard at the business and where the opportunities were and what the journeys were and what the experience was. And it was a, it was a fantastic a collaborative process. Can you give me a, just an idea of the scale of this? I mean, how many stores are we talking about for start? We have both, just over 200 stores. Okay, so a fairly big estate. Yeah. And do you know how many SKUs we're talking about? We have just over 40,000. So yeah. that's that's enormous. That's kind of a supermarket level of, of yeah. For the average store size, the average is. the average store holds about eight thousand SKUs. Okay. We okay. have about forty thousand in total. Yeah. But actually, we kind of talked to your point about omnichannel. We allow the stores to access that extended range. So yeah. that was a critical part of signposting that yeah. extended range within the yeah. you know the the store of the future. Yeah. yeah. So Jim, sorry that that was interruption, but but you you addressed. Yes, yeah, so we, we, we did. Um, we did some, I think, really proactive sessions with the guides to look at all the fantastic work on customer 
um, and, and how we could turn that into a proposition, if you like, that would work for retail. I think that the whole idea around discovering Gertdwell and this kind of fast, slow shopping journey, the, the, the difference in mindset of these customers. And ultimately, I guess one of, for us personally, I, I always remember the moment you kind of go, well, that's fine if you get rid of all those customers, but do you actually have a future customer? And when you looked at the, the number crunching, there was this huge opportunity model that over 40% of current visitors to a Maplin store aren't the core customer base. Right. So they're only, at the time, they were only getting a small percentage of the sale. The, the, it was a real switch. So actually, if we could serve them and give those people visiting who are more about enjoying the products, finding the products, experience, doing something for more for their home in a bigger sense okay. than actually buying a component. You know, so they might have gone in to buy a drone because they knew Maplin sold drones, yeah. and they might have gone in to buy a DVD player because they needed theirs as broken down, but they're not, at that point, they're very mission-driven. Yes, okay. So, so it's more about the outcome. How do you turn those into shoppers who are going to then go, we're a destination for more than that? So that what was an initial idea of smart home that came from the business going, this is really could be the future. Yeah. <laughs> Suddenly, we you know you look at it and you look at the market and the, you know there was a, a visit to America and that's all a lot of what was happening in America. Lots of learnings that came from that. You at the time this time last year, John Lewis opened a very um, upstairs in, in Oxford Street. They opened a kind of smart home experience area that was very brand driven, yes. very kind of, uh, I guess educational, but without really telling anyone what they could do in this. We suddenly saw an opportunity that you could put smart home really at the center of this experience. And that I think was a, a, a shift in a way that kind of gave everything else a, a hub, if you okay. like, that then gave everything else a reason to work around it. Which was actually by the end of the first stage of work for us, we'd kind of got to that model of brands. Yeah, it was the most obvious fit because the yeah. reason that people come to Maplin is because they want advice. They yeah. want advice and help. Mm -hmm. They want solutions. Mm -hmm. And sticking that at the heart of the proposition, really, from the retail point of view. Is yeah. And when you look at it and you go, all their staff are experts, you turn experts into advisors because they have knowledge and you turn them into people. You then empower them to do their job. Yes. <laughs> and yeah. empowering them yeah. to do their job is giving them both tools to do it, but also room and place to talk to customers and the space to do that rather than trotting down an aisle saying oh here's the, uh, here's the which, section you know, it's, yeah. it's a very different it's a very different this design. is a different subject in a way but, but so often when, when retail design world looks at new designs we find that the rain the, the role of staff in them is changing yes and is being upskilled and recognized yeah. more, more i mean traditionally that's always been an area where where retailers are quite weak i would say isn't it in, in letting their staff do you think? Do you think this yeah. is? A, do you think this is a I think it's a different thing? business. So Maplin is based on people with passion yeah. who know the product, and sometimes the downside is that if they're too technical for customers, so yeah. the language could be too. Certainly for those non-knowledgeable customers, the language can be too technical. But that's all about training and, yeah. and ability. It doesn't take away their passion yeah. for doing it. You just turn that around. So for us, that was a. You have to utilize your people. Yeah. <laughs> they are the experience, and if you like, the, you know, if there is a role. For stores in the omni-channel, if it's not convenience, then it is about advice, it is about help, it is about touching yeah. things, and as soon as you touch things, you want to kind of know a bit more about them, and you want to know how they work, and at that point, you want a colleague 
member of staff who's going to help you mm. understand that product. So the sale becomes softer, but probably a lot more effective. Yes. Because you're taking them on a journey at that point, and I think we look to that a lot. That was really at the heart of what. We so did. I guess it's at the heart. It's letting customers know what, what they can ask questions about, isn't it? Really, yes. if it's all new to them as well, they, they you know they might not know where to start when it comes to making a smart home. But if you yeah. if you start them off. Yeah. And lots of people come in with either a problem or an ambition, you know, okay. and then the, the, our role and the role of the channels is to help them see the art of the possible, you know, what's the solution and then where does that solution then take you, you yeah. know, how else can you start, I mean we talk about connecting brilliant ideas, but how can you then start to connect lots and lots of brilliant ideas, maybe small, maybe big, but just to open up that yeah. this is what this is what technology can do for you and how you know you can either make life really enjoyable or really easy. Yes. Yeah. And, and and of course at the moment that has been that language has been driven by the brands who are producing these products. The opportunity here was to say, well we sell those brands, but our people connect the brands. Absolutely. And that's been the power of it, I guess, because it's very easy for a a nest to walk in and talk about what they do but actually how does a nest work with you know your security system or how does a nest work with other things in your house that's not something nest necessarily wants to tell you about <laughs> so was there any resistance from from the brands to, to, to change for absolutely not no, no they've been you know hugely yeah. supportive of the, the journey that we're that we're going on really because it's a real showcase for them this mm. is the yeah, this yeah. is the one i mean apart from the the bit in john lewis which was only Trialed in one store that didn't particularly roll out. This was, this is you know a nationwide two hundred plus stores potential yeah. of telling a story about the future of our homes and living and life and connecting to our lives and it's a very exciting story. And, and we actively you know the, the the it is about touch and play and engage with the product. Right. You know, customer. Spend as long as you want in the stores, you know, touch stuff, play with stuff, ask lots of questions, you know, to your point, how does this work with this, mm. and what happens if I do it with that, and can I do this and that together, and, you know, having that underlying support of colleagues who absolutely know what they're talking about, without the sell, yes. <laughs> you know, without that really high pressure of sales environment is, is where we were, you know, yeah. where we were really thinking that's where, that's where our future lies. Okay. Asking the very blunt question, but obviously without a higher pressure sales environment you do still have to sell stuff <laughs> um, were you were you looking at, a, at an immediate increase in sales from, from introducing a new format or was it a longer journey yeah, retailers it? it's got pay yeah exactly <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> I was trying to be something about it there but, was but, a know, point you need to though, it was pretty cool <laughs> because um, actually there was one of the meetings it was like well uh, I think we were pushing pushing quite a lot about what you could be doing and there was a point we're going okay but this from I think it was Ollie, wasn't it? This is this is a pilot. Okay, so we'll, we'll treat it like a pilot store. Therefore, it can fail. But of course, it never really could <laughs> fail. It was going to be if you did a pilot that could fail, you'd put it in a warehouse and you tried yeah, it somewhere yeah. where there weren't really customers. But so we always knew it had to function from day one yeah. in, in a way, and we had to. And therefore, we the work on range. To. Yeah, we, we were we so confident in, in as we went through the journey, and we started yeah. to, you know, we'd done a lot of research into this, and we spent a lot of time with customers, and we spent a lot of time with you guys, and you guys had done a lot of work into it as well. We were really confident, you know, that we were, we have, we've got the right thing, you know. Yeah, there are things mm. we'll have to play and tweak with, but we've got, we've definitely got to the right yeah. proposition. 
So you had a, tr a client who was willing to try things, which is yes. what every and designer put, needs. For, for yes, it is. And put the right people in place to ensure that there weren't any really real hiccups. Okay. So the range planning was all done to look at properly what we could cut out, what we could put back of house, what we could do online, all of that work, which often you think, you know, would just do a store concept. Yeah. Actually, that's really critical work to free up space, to change the way you, you merchandise. We had, we, all of that was done by the guys, so that was incredibly helpful. Um, all the digital side, you know, our ideas of going, you know, let's put tablets in, let's do this, let's give people that. All of that work is then backed up by the business. They've managed to get it all in line, which actually most of it in six months, we got a digital, a fresh new digital platform that was aligning half with a new website that was just about to launch and it, incredibly complex operations in a way that all landed in the first store. So we could really trial things and obviously it's iterative and it, they get better by the week, but it was still quite a challenge to get all those things okay. done. So in, in terms of the practical job of actually getting the store format going, I'm guessing Holly, you might be the person to, yeah. to tell us <laughs> to tell us how the how the work actually progressed and how you. Yeah, so we worked closely with the guys in workshops, and we looked at we worked through all through the brand work. We looked at um, it was a very collaborative process. So we all worked together and we created sort of a vision of the look and feel. What do they want to look like? What do they want to feel like? How do they want to come across to people in their new as an environmental as well as brand um, aesthetic? So then our role then was to sort of try to make this work. So looking at the store planning was a massive thing. We looked at product adjacencies. So obviously we're creating this new vision, but how are we gonna attract new people and actually make it a less intimidating environment for people to come into, you know, that they sell such, it's such a vast range of products. I was walking around the store thinking, why have I not, not shopped in the it? And it is because it's just not, it, it, it just wasn't a tra it wasn't appealing to sort of me as a shopper mm. so actually once you go in and you look so it was just there was so much opportunity so we looked um, at just sort of reconfiguring the store and actually creating sort of destinations which then allowed us to um, sort of showcase product stories and we got product out of boxes you know the whole thing was there's so many great new um, sort of products but you couldn't sort of interact or touch so that was a massive thing and then the smart life story was then essentially the heart of everything. So this had to, it was almost like the showcase of everything. It was where um, colleagues were empowered to interact with customers. Customers could explore, play, but also shop. And then this also had to link on to all these other departments. So we created destinations in store, which almost allowed these two journeys, which the guys talked about, range and speed. So we didn't um, sort of, uh, sort of, uh, what's the word? Um, sort of hinder, hinder the sort of range <laughs> and speed journey. So it was like they, if they went in, they knew where they were going. It was easy to do. But actually, we also created an environment where people could sort of what like meander, discover, yeah. um, just a lot more. We lowered heights. You know, even just reorientating fixtures makes a massive difference. So sidelines across stores. So. It was a big environmental change yeah. for the store, which made a massive difference. My experience as a, as a shopper, I remember, fairly limited, but, mm -hmm. but it, it never felt somewhere you were just wandering and browse, especially. 
Um, no. it, you know, I guess if you can... It was quite scary. Yeah. And, and once you're down you one didn't route, know anything, you're down that, you couldn't, you couldn't, it was almost like a, a shopping aisle. You were down yeah. and that yeah. was almost, and then, um, and also just bringing some of their really cool products to the front of the store, you know, making use of windows and actually just showcasing what um, these guys had. So this was, I mean, we had so much opportunity and we were really lucky to work with really cool sort of products and stuff like that. Yeah. So. And got rid of a few nap ones. Yeah. Did you, was, was there another one? Uh, it, it was so it was really I mean we worked with the I mean the range guy that the guys had, you know, it was just through clever merchandising and actually it was quite surprising how much difference we've made to store um just through and actually we haven't sacrificed that much range, which was um a really sort of Successful. And, and, that, and to be fair, that was one of the kind of the key criteria was that you know we, whilst we wanted to create theatre and experience and to make the shopping experience relevant and to make you know people who, as customer segment we identify as being appreciators, feel like they were in the right store, it could not be at the expense of us taking loads of range out. That's not you know that was that would have been completely counter, and we've managed to do it. Yeah, yeah. to retain that really important breadth of range. Yeah. Getting into basics, can we talk results? Yeah. How has it gone? <laughs> what, what, what can you tell me about um, it? I can tell you that it's gone exceptionally well. Um, I can tell you that we are seeing double-digit sales growth um, since we, we launched, launched the stores. Um, the customer response has been fantastic. So, um, you know, we have over 70% of people who've walked through the doors have said that the store is significantly, you know, not just better, but significantly better. And actually, in all honesty, over, well over 90% of people think that the store is a massive step on. Um, the, the, we, we've had a lot of people coming into the store who've never been, this is Cambridge Beehive, but we've had lots of people come to the store who've never been in before. Lots of people who've walked in and thought that they were in a different store, you know, have kind of not really, you know, how, how long has Maplin been in? Well, been in a while, but not really recognised it. Um, so, and overwhelming, you know, people spending longer in stores, browsing more fixtures, um, and against the control group, you know, the store is exceptionally well to the extent that we are now in the process of looking at six other stores that we are trying to, get live, yeah, okay, trying to get live in the next uh, the next few months and um, again you know various iterations learnings that we've taken along the way as well as cost engineering to kind of you know make a rollout financially viable um, but yeah really really positive results that's great and one last word um, your staff they're a big asset. Have they enjoyed it? They like yes, it. big thumbs up from the colleagues. Um, yeah, I think you know if you were to ask them how they feel about the store, you know the main thing that everyone's asking us is when when's my store? When's my next? You know, so <laughs> really, really engaged. Excellent. Um, I think this is uh, this wraps up our discussion very nicely. So uh, thank you all for coming along. Thank you. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed listening uh, listening to this first podcast, and you'll join us for more. Um, for now, goodbye.